Elder John, for praying on our behalf. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. We'll be reading together from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 10 to 14. Let's read aloud together. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? Does it not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. This is God's word. Please be seated. Today is Compassion Sunday for all three campuses and all three ministries, Korean ministry, English ministry, us, and Russian ministry. And we are so blessed to have Pastor Jay Calder with us to minister to us with his music and message. Pastor Jay has been a Compassion Ambassador and speaker since 2014. He's married to his wonderful wife, Sandy, and they have four adult children. He's a gifted musician, and his guitar solos are top-notch, and we get to hear two songs today. We are very blessed. His CD, Breakfast with Barnabas, was nominated Instrumental Album of the Year for the Vibe Awards, and his newer album, Vision, was a Covenant Award nominee as well. Awarded four times by the Toronto Independent Music Awards, as Best Acoustic Artist, he has toured with groups like Casting Crowns, Avalon, and Newsboys. I was a Newsboys fan. Long time ago. He was a pastor with the Evangelical Missionary Church for nine years. He loves Jesus. He loves children. He loves church. And we are, again, very blessed to have Pastor Jay with us today to minister to us with his music and message. Please welcome Pastor Jay. Good morning. I don't know how to turn this on. <laughs> Is this happening or did I do something wrong? Oh, here we are. Is it? There we go. Is that going to work now? Check, check, check. There we go. Yeah, I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm rather fond of your pastor. I hope that's all right. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Charles, he prayed for me earlier. I didn't want him to stop. Um, I'm going to just very, very quickly, uh, I'm going to get you to bless one another. And if, if you happen to be sitting close to someone, could you turn to them? Unless you're really weirded out by this, then just close your eyes and pretend you're praying. Most people will leave you alone. But if you would like to participate, seriously, would you turn to someone close to you? And just, I want you to say this to them. I bless you with peace in Jesus' name. Believing that he will do it, yes? And then, and then reciprocate, okay? So as long as someone blesses me, you're released to do that. I bless you with peace in Jesus' name. Okay, we good? That's enough. If you're not blessed by now, that is so um, your problem.
and I bless you with peace in Jesus' name. Did anyone bless me, by the way? It has, it's been a blessing. Honestly, it's been a blessing to be with you already. And uh, I was thanking the worship team for leading us in ministering to the Lord. Yeah? What, what a blessing. And I don't, sometimes it's helpful to have someone who's not a regular part of your congregation to come and, and, and remind you, something's going on here. The Lord is present. Yes? And we have a really, really good father. Um, if you haven't already, would you turn with me to Matthew 18? And my heart is bursting this morning, so I'm going to have to hit the ground running. Um, I hope that's all right. Can you listen fast? If you listen fast, that will be great. I'm just going to retune while I talk. How's that? On the way to Matthew 18, I need to mention a group of people whom Jesus referred to, whom he called the least of these. Does that expression ring a bell with anyone? The least of these? Yeah, we've heard that. Many of us, we've been around for a while. Um, For our purposes this morning, when Jesus talks about the least of these, he's talking about someone who can't pay me back. All right, just at its simplest. I know that's not a complete definition, but for, for what we're sharing this morning, that will do. And it's actually, it's actually, I'll be right back. There we go. It's actually in Matthew 25 that Jesus uses that expression, and we will get to Matthew 18. But that's where Jesus says to me personally, he says, Jay, and you can, you can insert your name there. He says, Jay, there's actually going to come a day, a real moment in history when I will say to you, says Jesus, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was a, a prisoner, you visited On and on and on and on it goes. And then the Son of Man himself, the Son of God, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who cannot lie, he tells us in so many words that he takes these things personally. It's that important to the Father and to him. And and that's where he says, I'm telling you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you actually, literally for real, did that for me. We're going to ask the Lord. We're going to say, Lord, I don't even remember doing these things for you. And he'll remind us. He'll say, I'm telling you the truth. This is reality. Jesus is not being poetic here. And this is not a metaphor. Are you with me? He's saying, this is the truth. In fact, all heaven sees it this way. So all of the angels of heaven, the created heavenly beings, the cloud of witnesses, right to the throne of my Father, says Jesus. I'm telling you, this is the truth, and it is recorded this way. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you actually, literally did that for me, says Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? What a promise. And by the way, does that sound like worship to anyone else? Yeah, that's that's a life of worship outside the walls of this beautiful sanctuary, isn't it? Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you actually did that for me, says Jesus. And if you have been born again by the Spirit of God, and this is is absolute Bible, this is is, um, foundational truth. If you've been born again by the Spirit of God, it actually is the presence of the Lord indwelling you. It is the Holy Spirit loving others outside of you that the Lord is talking about, all right? He's saying there, there are individuals who have no power to, act, to ever do anything for you. 
They can't ever pay you back. It's not about that, is it? It's not about that. And as soon as I say that, I recognize that, that in this sanctuary right now, I'm speaking to many people who, I just described your life. In other words, you're all about other people, all the time. You're doing something for someone else, or someone's, if it's a group of people. Maybe you're looking after somebody. Of course, as soon as I say that, someone was just, was just thinking, yeah, but I wasn't very happy about it last Thursday. And we all have bad days. But overall, you're, you're, I know, you're, you're thinking of others all the time. And it's not a, there's no profit motive. It's not about what you can get off the relationship, is it? No, it's the love that the Lord has for someone else coming out of you. And it is his presence. Something that's been happening to me more and more frequently because I get to share with groups of people all over Canada. I'm so grateful. But so often this has been happening where, I mean, I know a few people here. But I'll, I'll be sometimes in front of a large, large group of people. I don't know anyone. And I'll be sharing, and all of a sudden, I'll just be struck with this. Oh, my goodness, I love these people. And I'm not that nice. And the Lord will remind me, Jay, it's really true. It's all true. I really do indwell you. Jay, I'm letting you in on this much of how I feel about these people, both as a group and as individuals. Isn't that neat? And I know many of you have experienced exactly what I'm talking about perhaps not sharing in front of a large group of people, maybe someone you've never met before, you meet them for the very first time, and you all of a sudden, you have this compassion for them? You don't know anything about them? Anyone? You don't have to raise your hand. Because I know many of you have experienced that. You think, what is that? It's the Lord. Amen? It's the presence of the Lord in you, letting you know how he feels about someone. Isn't that beautiful? And Jesus says, when you do something for someone else, who can't possibly pay you back out of the, because of the Lord's love for them through you, he says, you actually are doing that for me, says Jesus. It is an act of worship. So there's this massive group of people that Jesus calls the least of these who can't possibly do anything for you. And, and I qualify, by the way, at least to some extent. I don't have time to unpack this, but as if I could ever pay the Lord back? Yeah? At least in that sense, I'm among the least of these. But there's a subcategory of people we want to focus on this morning. They're among the least of these because they can't do anything for you. But in the Gospels, and, and if you're new, that's, that's the first four books of the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call those the Gospels. And particularly, particularly from Jesus himself, there's a group of people who are among the least of these who get a huge amount of attention. And who am I talking about? Yeah, it's children. It's children. You may have never noticed this. You will now, because I brought, your, it brought it to your attention. Next time you're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you will be struck with just how many times Jesus himself refers to the children. They really do seem to get more than their share of airtime. And why might that be? Well, it's because they figure so prominently in the heart of the Father. Amen. In God's economy, children are up here. No, they can't do anything for you. And if you think about it, think about little kids. And, and we read about them earlier from Matthew 18. A little child is not likely to introduce you to influential people. Okay? We're talking about we little kids. They're, they're not going to get you a promotion at work. They're not going to advance your career. Can't do anything for you. They're not going to add to your bank account. They're going to drain your bank account. Little children are really good at that. But they're not going to do anything for you. And Matthew 18 is another one of those passages where Jesus is specifically talking about children. 
Before I go on, by the way, how many people had scriptures come to mind when I mentioned that about Jesus talking about the children? How many people just had scriptures come to mind that Jesus said? I bet you a lot of you did. You know, let the little children come to me. Forbid them not, says Jesus. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are exactly like these little kids, Jesus says. He's blessing children at the time. Isn't that something, that the master would tell us that? My kingdom belongs to those who are just like these little children. And then he says to adults, he says, you adults, you can't even get in. You cannot even enter my kingdom, says the Lord, unless you personally humble yourself and become like a little child in your heart. Amen, amen, amen. So Matthew 18, we're going to look at the passage that was, that was read, verse 10 to 14. But even before we do that, I, I, I want to draw your attention to verse 5. Because of what Jesus said about the least of these. Remember, whatever you've done for the least of these, says the Lord, you actually, literally, for real, says Jesus, you did that for me. But look what he says, Matthew 18, verse 5. He says, whoever welcomes a little child like this, he's holding a child in his arms at this moment, blessing this child. He says, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name, literally, actually, for real, welcomes me. Wow. Isn't that an amazing promise from the Lord? How many want to welcome the Lord Jesus Christ into every part of our lives? I do. I do. And this is his promise. Just based on that one verse, by the way, I mean, in my opinion, based on the whole counsel of all of Scripture, but if we just had that one verse, all of a sudden children's ministry is elevated up to here somewhere, isn't it? And no one, no one told me to say that, by the way. But it's the truth. In the heart of the Father, if you welcome a little child in my name, you just welcomed me. Wow. Okay, we have to, have to move on. So verse 10, uh, I just need to mention that in, in the original, so in the Greek, Matthew 18, verse 10, is in the imperative tense, right? I, I won't call it a miracle. That would be a stretch, but it is grace. It's another of many indications of grace on my life that I passed two years of Greek. Um, I'm familiar with Suvlaki. That's, that comes to mind. I know what books to go to to look things up, and nowadays you can, you can just online, you can, the, the resources are, are amazing, and you can look things up very, very quickly. But there, it's important that we know this is in the imperative tense because... What that means is that verse 10 is actually a command. You with me? That's important. This is a command from the Lord to his disciples. And how many are disciples of Jesus? Me too. Followers of Jesus. So this is not a suggestion. This is not a helpful hint from Jesus. He's actually commanding us. But the command is really odd. It's really strange because he says this. He says, see, see to it that you do not look down on one of these little ones. Or as some of the translations say, it's, it's even more harsh. It's even stronger as this one is. See to it that you don't despise one of these little ones or any of these little ones. And the obvious first thought that we would have in reading that is, why would we? I like kids. Do you like kids? Kids are okay, right? Especially if they're your own kids. For the most part, most of the time. They can be exasperating, yeah, but most of the time, we're talking about, again, we little children... Most of the time, because you've been wired in the image of God, you love your children, yes? Most of the time. <laughs> All right? I don't have time to unpack that, but I'll just, I'll leave that there. I need to point out a couple of things about Jesus' command here. The first thing is this. Jesus is not specifically talking about your kids. He's not, or grandkids, or, or, or great-grandchildren if you're at that stage of life. 
or even your friend's children. He's talking about children around the world, children in general. And in 2020, even today, we, we tend to think we're fairly sophisticated, but I believe that the Lord would say to us, even today, at this moment, around most of the planet, and you know this very well, children are not held in high esteem. Okay, that's an understatement. In many parts of the world at this moment, they're terribly exploited, or, or worse, and I'm not going to go into detail, so don't worry, but, but some of you are far better versed than I about these things, but there are children at this moment being terribly abused. That's all I'll say. But certainly exploited. But, and why? Well, friends, it's, it's just one more example of, of the terrible, the, the evil of fallen human nature. Apart from Jesus, just how wicked my heart can be. And see, if this little human, if there's no profit in it for me, if they're not going to benefit me in any tangible way, then what good are they? And the Lord says, do not look down on these little ones. Don't you dare. In the heart of my Father, they are so prominent, and there is so much more. And the, like, I, I like to insert my name there to make it personal. So the Lord says to me, Jay, there is so much more than you can see with your physical eyes when it comes to children. There's so much more going on. There is that which is sacred. There is that which is holy. And this, is, this leads us to the next, the next part of this passage because Jesus gives us this, this command. Don't look down on the children. Don't despise the children. No, they can't do anything for you, but let the little children come to me. My kingdom belongs to those who are just like these kids, says Jesus, just like these little children. But then the king of kings, who doesn't have to explain anything to me or to us, so often he'll give a command and then he does explain it. He doesn't have to do that, but he does. And this is one of those instances where he gives this seemingly, at first glance, strange command. Don't look down on the children. And we say, okay, Lord, I think I, think I get that. If you'll help me, I think, I, I think we, we understand that. But then he says, and here's why. He says, I tell you the truth. Their angels in heaven, says Jesus, always see the face of my Father in heaven. What a strange, what a strange thing to say. Am I the only one that thinks that's just... That's just, what does this have to do with this? This is just a strange thing to say. Let's focus on the most simple part of what Jesus is saying here. And by the way, as strange as this is to our ears, and Pastor Charles mentioned this after he read the scripture this morning. Let's remember, this is the word of the Lord. And remember who is speaking in this passage. Yes, this is Jesus himself telling us something because we need to hear it. He's saying, don't look down on the kids. And he says, look, heaven has invested everything in these children. These children who can't do a thing for you to the point that they have been assigned actual created heavenly beings. Elsewhere in the scripture, they're called the elect angels or the holy angels. Hebrews chapter 1 is a good passage. It says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. He makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. And here Jesus is saying, there are actual angels around these little kids. And again, in, in our, to our sophisticated, I'm, I'm saying that almost sarcastically, but to our modern ears, we find that so difficult to hear. Let's remember that it is the king of kings, the creator of the universe that's speaking. Amen? And he's saying, Jay, <laughs> most of you at the moment, this could change, but at the moment in history, 
we're in right now, most of you, most of the time, will not be aware of these angels at all. And yet the Lord says, that's precisely why I'm telling you, they are there. There are, there are heavenly beings. Paul says they're of a different substance than we are, but they're absolutely as real as you are and as, and as I am. And they are around these, these children. There is that which is sacred. There is that which is holy around these children. Okay, These angels, on a regular basis, says Jesus, they see the face of my Father in the fullness of his glory. And yet they're around little kids. Don't mess with the children. The Lord would say. There's far more going on, Jay, than you can see with your physical eyes. In fact, eight of the first ten verses of this chapter are a very sobering warning about harming children or leading children into sin. You do not do that. You do not do that. Okay, we have to move on from there. And then Jesus, is, he has not changed the subject as we continue. No, he has not. He's still talking about kids, at least in Matthew 18. As we go on from here, he's still talking about children when he says this. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth. He's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you more about the heart of my father now. So make sure you catch this. He says, in the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost or should perish. Amen, amen, amen. How many have heard of D.L. Moody? Do you recognize the name D.L. Moody? A few of you? Yeah, some of you? Um, I have a list of heroes. He's one of them. He's one of many. But D.L. Moody was, uh, he was just a great brother in the Lord. He was a great man of God who lived in the 1800s. He died in 1899. I want you to consider this. This one man, right, during the 1800s, so obviously before the media that we have today, before the travel we have today, this one man personally led thousands and thousands and thousands of people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just let that percolate. One, one man did that. Does that sound like something maybe, maybe God had his hand on? That's supernatural, okay? You can't do that. <laughs> apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, apart from, from the Lord intervening, yes? And we're going to meet in heaven, not only D.L. Moody, and I love that, we get to talk to D.L. Moody, this is true, but we're going to meet in heaven thousands and thousands and thousands of people whom he personally led to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, I love that. And yet, as an old man, before Jesus took him home, okay, as an old man looking back on his life, he made this statement. He says, if I could relive my life I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. Let me try this set over here. If I could relive my life, okay, so said it, says a man who's led thousands and thousands and thousands of people to faith in Jesus. Most of us would agree this is a, this is a fruitful life. Yes? This is much fruit, right? John 15. Anyway, he, he says if I could do it again, I would devote my entire ministry, 100%, to reaching children for God. Isn't that wild? You see, D.L. Moody had seen with his own eyes the incredible impact that it has on families and on communities and ultimately on nations when children come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen, amen, amen. As a, a really 
wise man of God told me years ago, you may, you may have heard this, but um, it was new to me. Uh, he said, when a child is born again, God does not give that child a junior Holy Spirit. I love that. The, the main implication of that statement is when a child is born again, they really are born again. Amen? They really have entered into an, a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Um, all of this to say I'm, I'm tremendously honored to be with you this morning uh, to re represent the Ministry of Compassion Canada. Actually, I hope primarily that I'm representing the Lord and His heart, but in so doing, I also some, some of His friends who work for Compassion Canada. I'm not an employee of Compassion, by the way, so I can say whatever I want um, about them. In my opinion, they are doing what D.L. Moody said he wished he would have done. Yeah? And I'm talking about in the field, wherever compassion ministers around the planet, they are completely, 100%, pouring their lives out for these children. But friends, when you see what God is doing through this ministry, as a result, it is absolutely breathtaking. It is stunning. It's off the scale. And that's in our remaining time this morning, I want to share with you two distinctives. There's so many things I could tell you about compassion, but I'm going to take time for two distinctives of their ministry that have impacted me, my wife Sandy, and, and frankly, our kids more than, more than anything else. The first thing that I can tell you about compassion is by far the most important thing I could say about them, and that is their absolute commitment to evangelism and discipleship. And it's important that we understand this, okay? Yes, they minister to the physical needs of children who are in desperate poverty all around the planet, but their first calling on this ministry is to evangelism and discipleship, first and foremost. And just to put this in perspective, I, I sure hope you saw the pictures of children waiting to be sponsored out here in the foyer. Anyone see those? And there are more tables apparently in the, uh, the fellowship room, fellowship hall down here. Just based on statistics, so just based on the numbers of what's been happening through this ministry right up until this moment, right now, okay? I can tell you with absolute confidence that the vast, vast majority of those kids, I can see the tables right now, the vast majority of those children whose pictures are on those tables at this moment, once they are sponsored, they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Oh, come on! Yeah, this is missions. This is missions, man. Think of the implications of this. These children are going to come to know Jesus is their absolutely best friend. They're going to be discipled through the local church. They're going to grow in their faith. If we don't see them ahead of time, we actually are going to meet those children in heaven. This is for real. This is, Lord, shake me with the truth today. Amen, amen, amen. That was it. That was the big thing I wanted to share with you. So, see ya. Um, the second distinctive, I was, um, as Pastor Charles says, I, I was a senior pastor for nine years, so I, I get pretty jazzed about this next part, but if you don't, that's okay, and we're still friends. Um, but it's their commitment to the local church, and this also, this is my language, but I, I like to say it this way, this is also part of their calling from the Lord on this ministry. Compassion only works through the local church in the field. You with me? The way that I usually try to describe this to people is if, if you can imagine with me a struggling pastor in a, in a developing nation, and he's got hopes and dreams for his community. He wants to see God move powerfully. He wants to see so many people come to know Jesus, same as you do here in Mississauga, okay? Except in his case, maybe he could barely provide for his own family. 
That pastor partners with Compassion. Within a few short years, his church is now three times the size that it was. Isn't that amazing? I still have trouble getting my head around this, and so I've, I've inquired about this to the highest levels of leadership, and right up to the CEO of Compassion Canada, just to make sure this is accurate, and they've repeatedly told me, Jay, that's actually about average. In some cases, it's much more than that. But on average, within three to four years, that pastor's church will be three times the size that it was before he partnered with Compassion. But I didn't even tell you the best part. And this is what completely blows me away. That's conversion growth. <laughs> Hello? You with me? This has nothing to do with people moving into town or people coming from another church, as great as that may be. No, this is people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Have you ever heard of anything like this? Isn't that amazing? I love it. See, what's happening is the majority of these children are coming to know Jesus. And then not always. I don't want to give a false impression. But, but so often, the rest of the whole family follows. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? And Sandy and I have seen this firsthand. Uh, we actually, we've gone on a few trips now with, with Compassion. And, and one of them, we got to visit a, one of our sponsored kids in the Dominican Republic. And I have so many stories that I'm not going to take the time to tell you, but his name's Jordani, and we, we got to go, and after spending hours with him at the church where everything's going on, we went back to his home, and here's a picture of his family. That's Jordani in the front, and we got to pray. This is what I got to get to the bottom, bottom line. Sandy and I got to pray with Mommy and Daddy as they gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't God amazing? Isn't that beautiful? And I, and I have to emphasize something to you. This, there was no persuasion going on. This wasn't like Jay is leading someone to Jesus at all. In fact, what was on my heart that day, I can hardly look at that without starting becoming a puddle, but what was, what was on my heart that day, my biggest concern was I didn't want to put any pressure on these dear, dear people. They, they invited us into their, their home, right? Their son had come to know Jesus, and now his sisters have as well, so yay, God. But my, through, through the translator, I said to them, look, we love you people. We love you so much. Like, it's okay, regardless. And they're like, no, we want Jesus now. So I knelt down on their floor, and we went through some scriptures together. And now, not just Jordani and his sisters, but mommy and daddy are a dear brother and sister in, in Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Being discipled by their local church. And true, if we don't see them prior to this, we're going to see them again before the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't the Lord great? Yeah. Back to the hypothetical pastor now, whose church is now three times the size that it was because of all these people coming to know Jesus. He is now held in very high esteem in his community. And why, why is that? Well, because everybody knows. You go over to that church, they love you over there. They, they love you unconditionally. But his church has also become, in that community, the go-to place for all of these adults who are coming, coming to the pastor, coming to the church, and they're saying, you know what, I don't know what happened to my child who's in your program, but they've changed. And I don't know what it is that you have, but I know I desperately need it too. What must I do to be saved? Isn't that cool? Yeah. Well, they've sent along a video we're going to show at this time, if we can, Julia. It's about two and a half hours long, so I hope you're really, hope you're really comfy. It's about three and a half minutes, okay? And then we'll continue. My father was taken away from us, and by that I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. 
My mother had no job. My father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kasenke, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home, which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up on the roof. It was a tin roof that had holes in it. That was the night that we would stay standing. Get little buckets placed just where the holes in the roof are and wait until morning. A reality hit me that day. This was life. Poverty began to speak to me as a child. I thought I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend. And her friend shared with her about compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager. She had decided to sponsor me. I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Richmond, you've got a sponsor, which means you can now go back to school. That ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me. To hear words like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my sponsor. June the 3rd, 1996, I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. I have been released. God began to continue to grow the leadership within me. And then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spend a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I'm doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me to who I am right now. Poverty is not just the lack of money, the lack of material, food and water. Poverty is in, it's deep. My name is Richmond Wandera and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. Wow, wow, wow. So good. Mother Teresa had a, had a quote that I like a lot. She says, if you can't feed 100 kids, feed one. And I believe she was speaking to human nature. She was speaking to me, for sure. There, there's a tendency with some of these things that I relate to very well, where we can so easily be overwhelmed with the size of a need. 
I don't know if this connects with anyone, but sometimes they're still talking about, I don't know how many thousand children that perished yesterday. Not last year, yesterday, thousands for malnutrition and preventable diseases. And some of you, again, some of you are far better versed than I in these things. Equally as true, though, as, as the very sobering statistics is that in this sanctuary, at this very moment, I know a number of you are being instrumental in seeing lives completely transformed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know this is true because you're already sponsoring kids. So I, I do believe a part of the reason I'm here today is to say thank you, bless you, bless you, bless you. You are having an immense impact well done. The Lord is using you so much. I worked it out. I'm not great at math, but I did work it out, and it costs $1.36 a day to sponsor a little boy or a little girl. $1.36. It's actually considerably less than that if you pay income tax. Anybody here pay income tax? I'll get to that in a moment, but for our purpose, I just want you to think about that. Um, $41 works out, 41 a month works out to $1.36 a day. What's a medium double-double from Tim Hortons? Most parts of the country, it's about $1.70 for my coffee, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, some of you will know it well. Uh, it's, it's my wife and I, it's probably our favorite verse. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. We have a good father, amen? Plans to give you a hope and a future. And we're seeing that fulfilled in the lives of the children that we sponsor. $1.36 a day, $1.70 for my coffee. Actually, Starbucks is infinitely more, yeah? but, but worth it. That's just my opinion. Um, but here's a thought. Here's a thought. If you regularly buy your coffee from Starbucks, you should consider sponsoring a village. Okay, I'm going to hurry up to, 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 to wrap this up. But I, I wanted to mention that we had been sponsoring children for years and years and years, my wife and I. I don't even know how long, and I had never even thought to ask this before. But I finally did a couple of, a couple of years ago when our accountant was doing my taxes. Um, and I asked her, I said, you know, could you punch in some more numbers? What would be the difference in my tax refund if we were not sponsoring these children? We, we were sponsoring four kids at the time. There's a reason I'm telling you that. We, we were just grateful we could do that, yeah? But what I didn't know all these years was, as it turned out, I hadn't actually been spending $1.36 each day for each of these kids. Friends, it was more like 70 cents. All those years, I never even knew. I, I actually was, <laughs> I was paying 51%, and I'm getting 49% back. Isn't that amazing? I never even knew it. Say it another way, for me to sponsor two children cost almost exactly the same as I thought I had been spending all this time to sponsor one. That, that's a word from the Lord for somebody. Right there. <laughs> and I blurted out right in the, the accountant's office. I said, oh my goodness, we got to sponsor some more kids. <laughs> and we did. We got a few more. And right out of the gate, we got this little guy, Mateo. And uh, he lives in Colombia. And we got to go and visit him as well. But uh, I'll, just, I'll just say this about Mateo for the sake of time, that he has come to know Jesus is his very best friend, his, his Lord and his Savior, his Master. God's hand is all over this little guy. And I will tell you this, Mateo just turned 11 this year. This is an 11-year-old Colombian boy who regularly prays for me. Isn't that neat? And, and my ministry. So by extension, he's praying for you today, I guess. I love that. Sandy and I have four kids of our own, as, as Pastor Charles mentioned. They're older now, and three of them are married already. And, and I'm going to be a grandpa. Woohoo! 
really excited. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I don't know when, but I figure it's bound to happen eventually. Um, just, no, you've been so patient. I'm just making sure we're all still awake. Um, I've been telling that joke way too long, probably. We have, as of January, Sandy and I have seven grandkids. Isn't that cool? Um, I truly am a wealthy man. I don't have a lot of money, by North American standards at least, but God has been so good to us. But our kids and their spouses, at last count, they were up to eight more children that they're sponsoring. Isn't that neat? These are young adults starting their own families, and if you were to ask them, why do you do that? Why do you sponsor children? They'd answer the same way I would. <laughs> They'd say, why would I not? Yeah, the Lord has been so good to me. This is such a little thing, and yet it so rep represents his heart. For In our family, this truly has become a really simple act of worship. Yeah? Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name, says Jesus, actually welcomes me. I'm almost finished, but I wanted to po point out something that was brought to my attention. Since I've been pastoring, I, di I didn't know this all the time I was pastoring, but did you know that in the Old and New Testament, there are more than 2,000 references to God's heart for the poor and justice issues. Did you know that? It's true. There are more than 2,000 references in the Bible to God's heart for the poor and justice issues. And I'm mentioning that because of some, a phenomenon that happens to me a lot. I, like I said, I get to go all over the country. I'm so grateful and share and meet with so many wonderful people. I've had so many people, when I'm talking about Compassion's ministry, come up to me after an event and they'll say, Jay, I need to pray about this. I need to pray about sponsoring a child. And I always think that's, that's great. I think it's wonderful. Unless we're being goofy, if that makes sense. And I, you probably know where I'm going already. And I don't want to be misunderstood. There are a lot of really, really good reasons to pray about this. There are. And I would encourage that. Unless, by that, I'm saying, I need to ask God... If it's his will for me to take a tiny part of my resources to help minister to the poor and tell them about Jesus. Like, what do I think he's going to say? Yeah, particularly when he's already given his opinion more, more than 2,000 times, right? And, and I would add to that, and this is just my experience, but I can't remember ever, not a single time in my entire life when I cried out to God and I said, oh God, oh Lord, is it your will for me to buy this cup of coffee as I go through the drive-thru today. Not trying to be mean, by the way. I, I really like coffee. I'm just trying to give perspective. This is for me. This is perspective for me, okay? In my case, that cup of coffee, even from Tim Hortons, that cup of coffee cons costs considerably more than twice what it cost me to sponsor a child for today. Yet it would never enter my mind that, oh, I need to pray about the coffee, right? Listen, if you don't sponsor kids yet, that's okay, and I mean it. God bless you. God bless you. Most of us can take care of that today. We really can. So I, I would encourage you, please, at the close of the service, please don't run off, but go to the tables and choose your child, and they'll sign you up, and they've made it so easy. Um, they do want me to encourage that we not put this off, and so I actually have some CDs back there, and if, if you can start a sponsorship right now and not delay it, would you please take a CD? And that's just to say thank you. Um, if you sponsor 10 kids, take 10 CDs. And I'm serious. And you would not be the first to do that, which is pretty neat. Um, if you already sponsor children, again, please hear this. God bless you. Thank you so, so much. It would be extremely difficult for me to overstate the impact you're having. 
It really is that big a deal, so well done. But here's the challenge. Would you consider another one? Or more if you can, you know, but at least take home a kid you didn't come with today. Surprise your friends. Um, Pastor Charles, I think I'm pretty much done. And as you're coming up, I just, I just have one word of housekeeping, really, as you're coming, and it's just simply this. If at the close of the service today, if there is a crowd of people around the tables, either here or in the fellowship room, so that you can't actually get up to the table right away, would you join me in saying, praise God? Like, what a great problem to have. That's my point, yeah? And let's be patient and stick around until we can take care of it. It really is that important. You, you folks are wonderful. The Lord bless you in every way. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity to share and hope to see you at the tables after the service.